yeah. which makes him a perfect neighbor. There you go. <laughs> it is a brave thing for a surgeon to operate on their next door neighbor because that is a nasty Christmas card. <laughs> the not sleeping at night, the waking up every time you roll over, he's fine with. <laughs> I've got another shoulder. It's the backswing, yeah. yeah. Testing the boundaries a little bit is the real way to advance the science, right? Yeah. If no one steps out, everyone's still doing it the same way forever. Welcome to the Zero Downside Podcast with Dr. Wade McKenna, sponsored by MoabTexas.com. Welcome to another episode of the Zero Downside, guys. Today is a special one because we've got a very special guest. <laughs> one of my personal favorite patients because he is always coming in with something new, whether that be diving into the pool and re-injuring the shoulder that Dr. Rikita fixed or, you know, just bringing a smile to everyone. So I'm really excited <laughs> to have him on today. And um, I'm going to let everyone kind of introduce himself as Andrew. If you want to introduce yourself, please go ahead. Andrew White, um, also neighbor to uh, my favorite doctor, Dr. <laughs> McKenna. Uh, been there for about two years now. Um, I'm in construction and I do consulting. And, uh, and he's a broken mess. Yeah. Which makes him a perfect neighbor. There you go. <laughs> yes. Former football player and weightlifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. everything's broken. A, kick, so a, a kicker. Which a kickers, kickers, you know, we always right. laugh that we said offensive linemen are usually the smartest guy on team. Really, that's because we didn't count the kicker because the kicker kind of showed up, was kind of the coaches were even afraid to talk to you because they didn't want to mess up your juju. Like a coach can't be mad at a kicker because if they mess him up, so they just kind of everyone kind of like the kicker, you just like pretend like he's in his head and the coaches will walk around him. But they just kind of hang out, kick some balls, and have girls shag balls for him and are having like that very rarely even participated in the the post practice runs for it. No, we would know. roll a barbecue grill out there. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to know your role in the football team was very important. Oh, for so sure. We yeah. started out on it. Yeah. I didn't have 30 or 40 plays to, to be good. I had one right. or two. Yeah. You so had to shine yeah. in that moment. Absolutely. Well, so I do want to start off very quickly. It is a brave thing for a surgeon to operate on their next door neighbor because that is a nasty Christmas card. That <laughs> well, right? Like that's yeah. that's not somebody that you can like hide behind the desk and, no. and evade, like checking the mail, they're eyeballing <laughs> you. So everything has gone well, right? Before we get into Absolutely. The, okay. That, that's yeah. good. That's a healthy start to the episode. For sure. Andrew, so I've lived in this neighborhood for uh, more than a decade. I don't know one except for patients. Like there's a, there's people in our neighborhood that I've taken care of and operated on. I had no idea they were my neighbors. Um, and Andrew moved in and Mr. Network, like he's telling me about all the people moving in and out and who lives there and they have to get, Oh, did you know they have a kid? I'm like, dude, I know the neighbor on one side and now you're on the other. So now I know you like, those are the two people in the neighborhood. I know I, I leave before everyone else gets up. I come home when everyone else is asleep. Like, I, I, I most, if I don't have my kids, if I don't have tests now, so my 10 year old is, is, is my only roommate left at this point from the daughter's standpoint, you know, one has her own place in Fort Worth law school and the others at, at Oklahoma state as a senior this year, go pokes. Um, so it's just me and a 10 year old most time. So I, when Tess is there, I, we use the rest of the house. When I'm there, I come in at night through the back door, my bedroom's right there. 
I don't even see the front of my house. And Andrew's like, hey, I'll lift a note in your front door. I'm like, dude, I haven't been to the front door in two weeks. Like, I don't know who, who like, unless DoorDash is delivering something, I don't go to the front part of my house. And your coffee but, every morning. Yeah. But Andrew is Mr. Like, he knows everybody. And and so he hit me up pretty quick. We're, we're talking early about uh, a shoulder mm -hmm. because he had already had one shoulder operated on and not done that great. I mean, no. it took a long time. I think you said that yes. it was like a two-year recovery or something. I was like 28 years old, and I thought it would recover quickly, and it did not. Yeah. Well, because you know, we've talked about this a lot now. That what's published on rotator cuff surgery is a 30% failure rate, unless yeah. you use cells. So with bone marrow, failure rate six months zero. Without cells, failure rate six months, right. 30%. And, and Andrew went through that, like prolonged recovery, adhesions, worked on strength and range motion. So he was now not being 28, um, when he injured this shoulder, he had been putting it off for a while because Andrew, unlike um, some of the older guys in this room, uh, has more time and golf is much more important to him uh, <laughs> than me. I, a lot of when you're, I guess when you're a business consultant, a construction guy, a lot of your work is on a golf course, right? A lot. And, and none of my work is done on a golf course. Any, my, it's the only way I'd have I aspire it. to that someday. Yeah, for sure. Like you're way smarter than me. I, you planned ahead. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan ahead when I was giving up my 20s and 30s to do this job. I never thought, wow, I can't do this from a golf course. Yeah, I'm, just um, so you know, I'm going to help out with your podcast starting next week because I feel like time. So this podcast is done from like Lone Star. He's always telling me, hey, I'm playing golf with this famous, like he's always playing golf with the ex Cowboys and stuff. And you're like, guess who I'm playing golf with? And I'm like, man, like, I want. I want to be you when I grow up. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So let, let's talk about your shoulder. Okay. So walk us through this. You know, how, how did the injury happen? And, and at what point? Because a lot of guys, and, and I'm not one of them, clearly, right? But you walk around and you're the walking wounded forever. So walk us through that whole process. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it took a long time to get to where it got. Um, Probably uh, lifting weights and playing football was most of it. And then just getting older and continuing to lift weights really put a, a lot of wear and tear on it. Um, that started to slow down. I started doing just natural body, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, things like that. But it started to get a really bad sting in it um, when I was going on my backswing to the point where I was dealing with it. But then it started to actually slip out of socket on backswings and I was like, okay, now it's got to get That's fixed. A little awkward on the course. I mean, it was, it was hanging on by a thread. It's, yeah. It certainly I mean, impairs your, your golf. Yeah, I think the so, only reason, honestly, we'll be completely honest with you. I think the only reason Andrew finally decided to have a shoulder fix is because it was limiting his, his scores were, were going up. Yeah. I and, couldn't, and, and I couldn't swing correctly. So not so at all. When you, when you're used to playing golf and you're really good at it, and all of a sudden you're adding strokes to your game because you can't pull the club back. That's the only time you really yeah. end up seeing a surgeon. The, the not sleeping at night, the waking up every time you roll over, he was fine with I've got another shoulder. It's the back swing, yeah. yeah. It was It was honestly the breaking point, um, especially when it started to just completely slip out. So you can speak to this better than I can, but I came in, it was... I think, I think we had, I think we, we, we kind of, we, we, it was one of those back, fence kind of consultations i think initially right <laughs> and um so like dude, you need an mr um it's been going on for a long time and the fact that he had another shoulder so the problem with a lot of um rotator the average age of rotator cuff tears in the mid 50s in the u.s because 
it, the tissue has to dry out and tear before it usually gets bad, unless you're an athlete and you can tear it with sports. But there's a disease called outlet obstruction where you have what's called a type two acromion or a little bit of an anterior hook. It's less than 15% of the population, but it's about 85% of the people that tear a cuff in their 50s because there's just not enough room as you get older. And if you think of a, a new rope uh, and then a 50-year-old rope that's left in the barn for 50 years in Texas, it's all dried out, it gets thicker, it's easier to get a fray. And that's kind of the beginning of rotator cuff disease and dysfunction. So Andrew obviously had already had the other side done because you have that little hook and eventually, the other side's going to go too if you're still doing a lot of overhead stuff. And for Andrew, um, the impingement, the cuff tear, and then just riding it out, um, he got to the point where he had secondary instability, a big labral tear, a lot of loose junk floating around his shoulder, some early degenerative changes. So um, we talk about how there is a, a the reason a lot of people see me as wanting that magic shot. Um, but there are certainly times where I have to at least set you up for success a little bit for the magic shot. And so Andrew's one of those patients that needed kind of both sides of me, the traditional orthopedic surgeon, like I gotta sew some of this back together, get rid of all the loose junk, or there's not really, you know, the first question for Andrew was, can't you just put cells in it and this go away? <laughs> like, sure, like 20 years ago, right? Yeah. But we're, when your shoulder's not even staying stable, um, we, gotta, we, we had to fix some things. And then once you fix it, and we make that joke all the time, it's. I didn't fix it. I, I put it in a position where you have the opportunity to heal, but we still got to get you to heal. And so that's where the use of your bone marrow at the time of surgery is something I've done on every shoulder for the last more than the last decade. And it makes a tremendous difference in overall healing, decrease your risk of an infection to, to about zero. Well, can and, you tell us the results of yeah. that too, about how uh, that looked after the surgery and well and he has that time. and he has something to compare it to that he was 20 That's, years younger when he had right. done yeah. too right? so the most amazing thing was when i was 28 i had this one um i had a torn labrum here and rotator cuff had it redone it took months and months to get to a point where i could even entertain going out on a golf course and if i did it was um maybe some light chipping and some putting uh but there was still a lot of pain there couldn't lift above my head um, so that was in the back of my mind. That's what, one of the reasons I put it off for so long. I was like, I don't want to do this again. But in speaking with Wade, um, we went through the procedure and after two weeks, I was already moving around. Like you said, I was yeah. sending you got pictures of sleep. me fishing. Oh yeah. That's a, the biggest panic <laughs> is because Andrew, two, it, two and a half you know, weeks. I, I, he literally sends me pictures of him fishing with this holding up this big fish. And I was like, Maybe you shouldn't. Be Is that the shoulder I did? <laughs> yeah. It's like, are, are you okay? He goes, dude, it doesn't hurt. I'm doing this and this. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. 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 So then after about three and a half weeks, um, it was extremely comfortable. I was taking the um, arm brace off, moving it around. Um, rehab started. And then I had I was invited to play in a golf tournament. Um, how, how far out? That was six and a half weeks out. And I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. I'd started rehab, but after the first week of rehab, I was, um, I mean, from what I felt, I was 85 to 90% recovered. Um, so sure enough, I go out there. Without and, calling and asking me. I mean, you're correct. Most important part, it wasn't like, hey, McKenna, <laughs> is like, it okay if you. I do this? You can just shout no. over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So the next thing I sent him was a picture of the uh, award of closest to pen. Yeah. And then I also got longest drive. Yeah. So longest so, drive six yeah, weeks yeah. after shoulder surgery. I was, yeah. I was totally thrilled about it. I, wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm 43 now. I did this one when I was 28. This is going to be twice as long as a recovery time. It's going to hurt twice as much. It didn't. I was off of pain medication in two weeks. There was some hiccups after that point. So had a increased little bit activity more. level above what maybe the surgeon would have <laughs> selected but, for you. Um, it was it was absolutely remarkable with the um, umbilical cord right so, laying yeah, on there. So and I used a, a patch from Amnion and took yeah. your bone marrow yes. and put it in the cells. That that's you know the biggest thing that most people are afraid of. And I think that we talked, yeah. I think you too, right? A lot of people was told me how the, much that hurt. The bone marrow part scares everyone to death. I feel a thing from that. Yeah. Never once did it's, I feel It's thing. not uncommon that when, and we're going to bring Ashley up again, because now I'm determined to mention her name in every episode. <laughs> um, when Ashley, Ashley takes people's, and, and really with shoulder, I don't even think we use suture most of the time. It's just this pernio. I do a sub closure. But there's always one stitch in the bone marrow harvest site, because I've played with every other way to close that I can think of. And nothing ever gives you as good a result as quickly and as easy as just putting one stitch in. So there's still one stitch to take out. Mm -hmm. And I can't get away from it. I've tried everything. I've done glue. We've done, but everything is, because it's right on the belt line, it's just more of a problem. And I don't want it to be an issue. So just to stay with that one, one stitch. One single stitch. One single stitch. But but Ashley will have to remind people. So when people come in at the two-week mark to get all the stitches out, and she'll be like, hey, what about the one in your hip? And people are like, oh, I forgot. So it's not like it. it, it, it from a no. pain perspective, no, you're yeah. not. It most was people fun. forget about it, right? Yeah, no, I absolutely forgot about it. And I had spoken to people um, that had had some marrow pulled from their head, and they said that was the most painful part. Yeah. I couldn't walk for a week or so. I never felt a thing. That 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 was, you know, one of the. God, if it was still such a big deal to get marrow, we would only be still using it for cancer patients. Right. Yeah. So one of the first things we had to do is develop a system that allowed us easy access to the best cell you have, even though your stem cells aren't always the best, it's still the best one you have. It's the one doing all the work for you. Right. And so to be able to develop an easy way of access to that, that really doesn't slow down, change the surgery much, but definitely augments a patient's response, lowers your infection rate. Um, and, and from a healing perspective, puts you on a much more predictable pathway to actually being able to heal up what I sewed together. Um, I think that, the initial fear from a patient is, well, I want you to fix my cuff, but I don't know about the whole bone marrow thing. And I'm like, trust me, this is the least invasive thing I can do to give to, to tilt the scale in your favor. And I think that when you talk to a patient about it, everyone's like, oh, I would do that again. Whole I didn't even notice it. But boy, when people talk about it, there's all these horror stories out there. Yep. And and it's really once you go through it, once you're like, oh, like not a big deal. For yeah. sure. No, the rehab was incredibly smooth. Um, in fact, the, the guy I was working with was like, maybe don't push it so hard. I'm like, it doesn't hurt. I feel, he goes, yeah, but just because it feels so good, don't um, push it well, too much. So. That's what most, most therapy, and here's the reason for that, right? Because they're afraid that if you tear something up, the orthopedic surgeon, because of the most orthopedic surgeon, they're going to throw a rock show. Well, if you wouldn't have done the therapy, that other therapist retore your shoulder. No, that's just not true, right? Like, that cuff isn't really healed until you're three to six months out. But my repair should hold through that. If that yes. repair doesn't hold through the first eight, 12 weeks to get your motion back, it was the repair's fault. 
not the patient's fault, right? So the ther- I tell people all the time, like, I want a therapist that's going to be really aggressive getting your restoration of function. You're not gonna, I don't want you doing a lot of strength stuff. I may not want you swinging a golf club right away. <laughs> But but it's not gonna it, it's not gonna hurt anything we did. Right. You just may have to hurt and swell a little longer than you would have if you didn't do so much so fast. But is it gonna is it gonna make the cells not work? No. Is it gonna make your cuff fail faster? No. We're probably still not being aggressive enough because we haven't we've done we've redone two cuffs in the last ten years and both of them had a significant amount of trauma really early on to mess it up. So it's not that the the repair is going to fail if the therapist is too aggressive. So I have to literally almost counsel therapists on the phone. I want overhead range, but Dr. McKenna, I'm not used to get them on a wall pulley, get their arm above their head. Right. And Andrew's like, are you sure I can do all this? I'm like, dude, get your arm above your head, right? The minute you get your arm above your head, your pain is going to go away. Yeah. And it, and it did. And I also remember at eight weeks, which you, you brought up, um, I dove into the neighbor across from us pool where he said it was deeper than it was and my arm was bent back and that's when i came back to see you and i'm like i don't know if i popped something or whatever but um my first question was what were you doing he's like oh. that was my favorite part. i'm like back again so sick. well your first question was which neighbor is that because yeah yeah because i have no idea like, I, yeah, even know. Right. I don't even know who in my neighborhood has a pool right so yeah. uh andrew's swimming at everyone's houses yeah. uh, so I, I network that's what i do yeah it's awesome yeah. Man. so um but yeah it that just ended up being a little I, probably inflammation or something and yeah. it was fine now you after, did tweak it a little bit yeah. got a little bit of range of motion you know what it would had you not gotten that it would have taken longer to get your motion back you kind of did your own manipulation i guess uh, so so but that's fine like you didn't you're not gonna tear no. the cuff doing that well no. and, and just for perspective right I, and coming up i mid 2005 2010s when i started in orthopedics and, and helping out in the or the the standard of care was shoulder immobilizer after rotator cuff surgery for what six almost, six, six to eight weeks six probably eight one weeks. of the most controversial things we do is get people out of the sling even the next night you take sling off start eating let you know start hanging arm exercises and Andrew's like are you sure I'm like am I sure yeah I'm pretty <laughs> so, sure yeah you, so, you, you can take that off and start doing stuff so we talk about the risk to the therapist right the therapist is afraid yeah therapists are all panicked what Mike's in all full disclosure Mike's wife is a an amazing physical therapist that specializes in really difficult handicapped kids and stuff. So Mike's wife is the model of physical therapists and their, and how anal they can be. Lot, yeah. yeah, for sure. About how anal they can be about not hurting someone. And do, but I literally almost have to put them in counseling to say, it's okay. Yeah. You're like, because they're worried that if they tear it up, I'm going to throw a stone. I, that's not my job is if they tear it up, we need to do something a little bit different because they need to be able to get range of motion back as fast as humanly possible so they don't lose strength and get a lot of atrophy. Most of the time, by the time we take care of someone, you've already had a year or two of functional activity changes and you're already getting a little weak. Sure. How I got to get you where you were two or three years ago, not where you were the day before I did your surgery. Yep. Right. So my goal is the faster I can get you strength and range of motion, the better you're going to do all right, so not that I want to balloon his his ego or, or give him too much credit right now, but how's your drive, right? Like, I'm not a golfer, so I, I, that's the one term I know to ask you to sound like I'm relevant, but it's, are you driving farther? Is it is it about the same? Where are we at? I'm not driving where I was when I was, you know, my 20s. Well, no, that's not. Ble- now, yeah. if that happened, but, we'd have a lot more patients right. coming in, just make my oh. game tighter. Right? Yeah, just, on yeah, a good yeah. day, on a, a good hit, I can still get it close to 300. Man, that's awesome. But that's so, not that's well. Not he did win longest drive at the six and a half consistent. week mark after surgery on yeah, a on a, on a charity tournament was, where there's not 
you know, the that guys was, playing in the charity tournament. A, a one in 20 shot. I mean, I was yeah. very lucky to hit that one. Like and you I did. played that up in the golf cart the whole way, right? You're looking at oh, your partners going, yeah, yeah. guys, I'm, I'm dealing with a recovering surgery. <laughs> I, yeah. I just don't feel like I'm going to be Absolutely. there. I need a higher handicap for the day. Hey, off, oh, off, yeah. off the record. Theoretically, there may be a lot of money changing hands at some of these golf tournaments. <laughs> and, and these guys have to add a little extra element of something to keep them interested a lot of times. And, and Andrew, you know, can walk out saying oh, i just had shoulder surgery everyone's like so uh we're playing we're playing strokes right like how much are we putting on <laughs> well, like what? still we're so everything he'll wear the sling out to the golf course <laughs> yeah. and the, the they're, they're playing big money skins games yeah. andrew's like taking off his sling limping up to there and driving <laughs> 300 yards down the yeah. middle yeah <laughs> look at my scar i just had shoulder surgery i even have one um, on my hip we're playing skins yeah. right andrew yeah. and he's like oh i don't know if you guys want to if it's the only way to keep you interested no there was oh, there no. was no money exchange that day it was a, a charity golf tournament there's never money exchange Never, no, never. No. So we want to no one plays things golf like that. That's right. And, and there's no, and there's absolutely no alcohol consumed on a golf course. Yeah, I've seen a lot of TV well, I didn't shows. Say that. That. <laughs> I did not say that. That's swing lube. You gotta, you gotta have some a of that. Little swing lube at 60. I, I don't even know. It's been so long since I've swung a club. I don't even know. I mean, I, that's not true. I play top golf with kids. Does that count? My oh, ten year old, yeah. my ten year old's dead eye with a, with a six iron, uh, <laughs> at oh, top golf. So. Yeah, man. Most importantly, is it pain free when you play? Absolutely. And I'd say as long as it's, you're enjoying it, pain free. That's everyone's usual top goal. Is I just want to do things I enjoy. Pain not free. only is it pain free, <laughs> but I've always been. I'm, I'm right-handed, and my right. So this is my throwing arm. It was always stronger. I would say that my left shoulder is not significantly, but considerably stronger and more solid. Than this right shoulder from when it was repaired when I was younger. Just you just feel more like sturdy strength. Yeah, there's like, three you or can four. You rely on this one more than you can. This there's one. three or four really good clicks and pops that still happen in this one, whereas there's sometimes maybe one in this one. Mm -hmm. yeah, now, when I was rehabbing, there was plenty, but once they yeah. got it up over my once head, once you get your motion, yeah, and stretched it, it's fine now. It's it's amazing wow. what that so. When you get more proprioceptive neurogenic intervention, which is what the cells are stimulating is, is angiogenesis or the return of new blood supply. And so a lot of the capsule of the shoulder is where your sense of, pro the sixth sense is proprioception. So your sense of kind of where your shoulder is in space, so that when you're in a certain level, the amount of pain resistance. So that feeling of strength returning when you put cells on someone's shoulder and they get proprioceptive return of capsular strength that's even with preston he said it felt very quickly like the shoulder he did surgery on was stronger than my other side because you're feeling it more right your body is starting to turn that off because it's so chronically inflamed that you don't have the same sense of where it is and the same sense of stable and strength is limited by an inflammatory response from a chronic injury when you get rid of that chronic injury that inflammatory response still doesn't go away because it's all scarred in. If you use cells and restoration of healing and you get angiogenesis, you do get that sense of where your shoulder is in space again, and it does feel less inflamed and stronger for people. Even if you just did an independent measurement of strength, it's probably not any better than it was the year before but it's dramatically the amount of where you can feel where it is and your body's resistance to let you do stuff goes away if you if it if it is less inflamed and healed and healthier and that's that's the reason for that and i and i'm more and more convinced that that's where people's overall sense of wellness comes from is your inflammatory load and can you, is it scarred in or is it healed 
And if you can feel where it's at in space more, it feels stronger and more stable. And I think that's one of the, the things that I can't make the body do that, but I can make it easier for you to be able to, for your body to be able to do that. And what like is your, that word again? Proprioception. So <laughs> your sense of where you, so if you replace someone's shoulder, it's very difficult for them to close their eyes and touch their nose. Mm -hmm. They have to kind of look at where it is and guide it in. So when your body, when you're doing something that's inflamed and, and, and hurts, you'll find people kind of move around that a little bit. So the shoulders never in the position they want because it doesn't feel right. And, um, after an ACL surgery, that sense mm -hmm. of the hamstring and quad being able to kick in, right? So when you inject graph in the ACL, the reason their survivorship is so much higher than ACLs done without cells. The reason the, uh, it's not just the healing, right? 179 days compared to 369 is what's published. Who would ever do an ACL reconstruction without marrow? I, I, but more importantly, the retear rate and the sense of stability in someone's knee is because the capsular strength your ability to like when you go to walk and lift up and go upstairs and rocks and stuff you're not saying okay my hamstring needs to engage a little bit now my quad needs to engage now my hamstring needs to let loose now there's a screw home mechanism knee so now you're not it's not a conscious thing mm -hmm. it's a subconscious effort mm -hmm. but that subconscious effort your body's proprioceptive feedback to your brain has less data sets coming in mm -hmm. so it does a poor job the more data sets you get the more capsular wellness the better blood spot of the tendons the better strength around the the more proprioceptive fibers become subconscious thought and learned behavior again, and the better people do. And, and it's, it's just because we're doing surgery, not making it well, but when you said it makes it well, mm -hmm. it, make, it makes total sense when you understand that what we're trying to do is just make the joint function like it used to. Mm -hmm. Your body turns a lot of that off normally as you get older, because if it really hurt bad every time you put your knee on the ground, you know, but there's a reason things kind of get stiff and you change your gait and you shuffle a little bit as you get older, because the human body is just trying to maintain bipedal motion. Like as long as you can walk, the body's good. Like a lot of energy is expended to just help you do that. The reason we put cells where we do is to get that restoration of proprioception. So your body's not getting in its own way so much. I remember I was naturally um, kind of using my trap and holding my shoulder up. And when I was going to rehab, they would make sure that my arm was extended all the way down before when I lifted up, up because I was doing this. Otherwise, you raise your scapula yeah, to do it. That's I was doing yeah, that and sure. avoiding the, the healing or the stretch. It was stretching. You can get deltoid strength, but you what happens is the scapula starts moving with the humerus. Yes. And so people go, oh, I get my arm up, but they're they're moving their whole shoulder blade. That that's wing. not glenohumeral motion. Like if you keep the scapula down and I get your shoulder moving, that's restoration of function. Yep. Like getting your arm up, if like it depends on how much your scapula is moving, how much your trap kicking in, are we still getting your pack? There's a lot more involved in that than just, can you get your arm up? Yep. And, and we want you getting your arm up normally with restoration of normal motion so your body cannot be inflamed every time you do it. And I was the, doing it completely subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, the wrong muscles. <laughs> I, didn't, I would look yeah. in the no, mirror well, and I'd be get, like this. Yeah, memory. for sure. Yeah. And it was just. That's the body's way of trying to compensate, yeah. right? Everything has a compensatory mechanism to make it function more normal in the face of injury. That's why we can wait so long to treat stuff. Yeah. Right? Is the body does a. There's always a. This was designed to stay functional even as you get old and injured. Mm -hmm. It's just harder and harder for it to adaptive. do it on its own, right? <laughs> yeah. We will adapt. Mm -hmm. But, but I want you to not have to adapt, yeah. right? I want to restore it to where it works like it's supposed to. Not where, you know, like when I was a kid, I would wrap clothes hangers on a, on a bumper to keep it up, right? Because I'm adapting. The car needed a bumper. 
the human body does that too. It'll put it together with tape and, 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 and duct tape and, and wire if it has to, but it's not well. It's not pain-free. It's not without inflammation. It comes with risks. Yeah. You're you, you, it, it, and you're always at risk of injuring it easier every time. Yeah. The, long, the more injured you are, the easier it is to hurt yourself, right? So is that why you're, I don't want to use the term, but I'm going to aggressive. You're more aggressive in post-op therapy and not putting them in a shoulder immobilizer for eight, six to eight weeks and getting with the therapist, yeah. retraining how they're going to treat or, or making suggestions. I don't want your body to unlearn everything it's worked its whole life to learn. Yeah. The faster I get you doing stuff, the more natural that will become. If I let you unlearn it and be atrophic and, and disuse atrophy is real. We we see it every week. Someone will be in a cast or a big immobilizer, and the first mm -hmm. thing I do is take it off. Yeah. With yeah. Preston, he said, "Sorry, they literally put him in a cast." I said, "Get in here and cut that off." Right? They're like, "Don't I need the cast? Do you want it to be smaller and stiffer and mm -hmm. not work as well when mm -hmm. we take it off? Because that's the only thing that's going to do." I mean, right? just like my friend who came and saw him this week, who you know pulled just the wrong weight down on the wrong angle and got some bursitis there. And they had, she went to the ER that night and they Mobilizer, had her just, don't move it. And he said, yep. stay in that sling for the next two weeks. Well, that's the standard like, of care. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let I, know, me, that, I think we should get out of it. Maybe yeah. start mobilizing so, yeah. a bit. Maybe we need to do some hanging arm exercises yeah. so you can get rid of some of the swelling, get better blood flow. Allowing it to get used to right there. I'm like, it's getting stiff, stay in one place. And yeah. it's a low grade fire that your body can't put out. Right. Yeah. If I can get you moving, the body can can get new blood supply. Yeah. New blood has to get where it needs to go to help you heal. If everything's swollen and inflamed, it the glass is already full. Like you can't put something new in it, right? So motion helps kind of restore the balance, right? So every once in a while, I like to kind of poke the bear a little bit and get him get him on a topic because I, I like the passion that he shows. And it, it's, listen, we've been friends a long time. Yeah. Uh, we, we've always worked together in, in many different capacities over the years. So I like to look at him and go, well, that's not the standard of care. That's not, you know, you're supposed to keep that immobilized for six weeks. So I'll, I'll tell you that to tell you this. Last weekend, I, I got a chance to go to Colorado and do some hiking. And while we're out, I see two guys jump off the edge of a mountain with those little paraglider deals. Mm. And in my head, the only thought I had was, who's the first guy to think that was a good idea and do it? Right. Who's the first guy that thought I'm going to take this piece of fabric, hold two strings and jump off this mountain, perfectly good mountain. Right. And hope that this thing can keep me afloat long enough to not let gravity kill me. So professionally speaking, I look at some of the things he does and it's not that he takes extreme risks or anything like that, but, but I, afraid. I, I look at exactly. I'm not right? afraid to let the body do what it's designed to do. Right. Right. We understand physiology and science better than most or at least as well as any traditional Western medicine surgeons going to. And if I can help you optimize and get through that, sometimes testing the boundaries a little bit is the real way to advance the science, right? Yeah. If no one steps out, everyone's still doing it the same way forever. iPhone wouldn't be invented. We wouldn't be, I mean, come on. Like someone had to take a chance. Right? One of the, the jobs I had in college, I was an independent contractor, Virginia Tech, go Hokies. Um, and <laughs> I worked for a company called Orthologic, I believe it was. And they oh, had... Very familiar. Okay, so they had a, a... After you had like an ACL or something, you would lay your leg in it and it would move your leg for yeah, you. CPM, CPM. And I would... Yeah. yeah, and I would say, well, why don't you want to ice that and keep it still? But I spoke with a doctor because you got to get that blood in there. Yeah, you got to get it moving. That's how it gets healed. And, and, so that and, all makes you know, sense to me. That was such me. a great idea, the CPM, a continued passive motion machine. 
And it, after a total knee, we'd put people in CPMs in the hospital, they have less swelling. Guess, guess what's not covered by insurance and even done anymore? CPM? CPMs yeah, in the and hospital. They're impossible Medicare, doesn't, Medicare doesn't even cover it now. It used to be part of the procedure. Now the hospitals, so we've gone backwards. So that's one of those things that you think, that's a great idea. Sure it is, <laughs> yeah. sure it is, it's a great Didn't idea. Last very long. And it makes total sense if you really want to talk about how to heal. Guess what's not covered by insurance and not even used anymore because it's too expensive and Medicare doesn't cover it after a total knee. People like, and people that I did total knees on back in the day, I'll go, hey, when, when you're doing their other side 10 years later, are you going to put me in that thing again? And the CPM, like, where is it? I'm like, nope, Medicare doesn't allow us to do it anymore and the hospitals don't cover it and no hospital even has them because wow. it's not. So we've go Western, again, this is on the whole science. Some things in Western medicine are only done because it has a code and it's compensable, not because it's right. And if it was just about doing the right thing to help patients get better faster, this is way more fun. Yeah. But yeah. if it's about what's compensable, has a code, things aren't always working to the best of for, for the patient. That's a great yeah. example. Yeah, Because you're yeah. exactly right. Such a great idea. Wow, we should do that on everyone. <laughs> that was 20 years ago, and it was covered and compensable, and now it's not. And the only reason is because insurance didn't like paying for it. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of the reason why we wanted you on the show today is, is you're, you're the goal right for our patients you're you have there's tons of patients out there that have shoulder pain they're walking around there again the walking wounded right we're, we're all trying to make up for things and coat hanger the bunker the bumper back on the car right um but the the aggressive rehab the aggressive therapy protocols the the hey let's get you moving as normal as possible right away and so that that's really we wanted to hear your story we think a lot of people are gonna kind of feel that same thing as they're listening and go man i i get that you know i had to keep my arm still for a long time i'm literally in photos i look different one side of my body to the other because i've atrophied that much i i had not done a lot of research with the stem cell and the what do you ambion what the amniotic we, we use a patch made from postnatal yeah. tissue graft yeah. once once, yeah. once yeah. i yeah, yeah. experienced yeah, yeah. it yeah and being able to have a something i could compare it to absolutely bought in yeah. incredibly grateful I, I would do this 10 times if you asked me oh, to. Well, I, do. I, I, I genuinely appreciate Honestly, the best thing that can happen for me is, and I know we talk about how some, I'm an acquired taste for sure, um, but especially as a neighbor, because you know, neighbor I got. Uh, it's like I'm pretty low maintenance, but um, yeah. but but he ha but Andrew's literally the one that'll come and say, help me take my trees up and, and make sure that my grass isn't dead. Um, but but I know that from that, but the biggest compliment for me is when friends, family, neighbors, family of other patients allow me to participate in their care because that means more to me than being the guy that they, oh, he's so kind. I, I, I genuinely think I'm kind and, and, and sweet too. But I know that from a science perspective or a medical perspective that I'm kind of the idiot servant. Like I know nothing about 99% of the world, but I know a lot about this much. And so I just want people to let me use my skills on that much of them. And I genuinely appreciate the trust that you've shown in, in our clinic and in me. Well, I, you have a happy customer. Yeah, trust right. thank, thank you very much. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we're signing off now this amazing episode. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Um, uh, my pleasure. We'll 100%. see you guys next time. And again. I know we talk about this every time, but it's just as true now as it was nine episodes ago, maybe. I don't even know. Um, but it, it, we genuinely appreciate your trust. Thank you for letting us participate in your day and whenever you chose to watch or listen to this. And please continue to 
like, subscribe, and comment, and let us know kind of what direction or any subject or topics you want us to cover. Thank you again.